Well, good morning and welcome to South Park Church. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Thank you all for being here today to come and worship God, whether you're with us in person for our traditional service or joining us online or joining us from upstairs in our modern service. We are a church that has two different styles of worship, but one God, one message, and one church, and so we're glad to be able to come and worship together. We are in the midst of this uh, sermon series called Sweet Emotion. We did start off the year doing a sermon series on happiness that was very well received, and after that, we had folks come up and ask us, well, what about the other challenging emotions that we have in our lives, like anger and guilt and burnout, things like that? Can we talk about that? So that's where this series came from, and we kicked that off last week, and just talking about emotions in general. And we looked and we saw in the Bible that Jesus said that we're supposed to love God with all of our heart and with all of our mind. And so that our emotions are an important part of who we are and we need to pay attention to them just as much as the thoughts that are in our head, our logical side of, of thinking. And so last week we kind of talked about emotions that are discomforting, like the anger and the guilt and shame and things like that. And we talked about how it's important when we experience those emotions that we know that really emotions are kind of like a lighthouse that's shining a light on potential dangers ahead. All right, so when we feel these discomforting emotions, it's something inside of us warning us about something not right in our life that we need to pay attention to so that we can navigate a more meaningful life. We also talked about how emotions ultimately are just data. It's information. Something's going on in our life that we need to pay attention to. And that emotions are not directives. They cannot make us do anything if we don't want them to. That we can own our emotions rather than letting our emotions own us. But when we're honest, sometimes when we react to our emotions too quickly, we do things that we regret later, right? You've ever done that? You get mad, you say something or do something that you wish you could take back. And so we talked about last week a strategy how to avoid that. And most simply, when we encounter a, a discomforting emotion, to give ourselves permission just to sit with it and to feel it. Because a lot of times we try to sweep it away or we bottle it up or we brood on it too much. Just experience it for what it is. Right? Try to name the emotion. Because a lot of times we don't really understand what we're feeling. We talked about Cain in the Bible in the book of Genesis. He was angry and he killed his brother. But why was he angry? Was he jealous? Did he, did he feel that he wasn't good enough? Was he really angry at his brother? Was he angry at God? Right? So what's the real emotion that we're feeling? Right? Experience it, name it. Uh, is what we want to do, uh, and then ask ourselves the question, well, what's the function? Why am I encountering this emotion? Why is it popping up? What value is it tied to that's trying to get my attention? And then we can make a decision, then we can act on it, right, to so go through that process. So that's kind of where we were last week, just talking about the importance of emotions and how we deal with them in general. Today, we're going to start dealing with specific emotions. But before we get there, uh, after last Sunday's sermon, I had several people come up to me and, and just share a great resource I want to share with you today. This is a book by Brene Brown, The Atlas of the Heart. And in this book, she talks about how to name and identify our emotions, that we can have hundreds or even thousands of different types of emotions, and we're just not able to label them. And so if you wrestle with that, you can look at her book or look at some of her podcasts, really good information about how we understand what it is exactly that we're feeling. All right, so let's shift gears then today as we start to think about a specific emotion. I heard uh, this podcast from a woman named Valerie. Uh, that was talking about her daily routine with her elementary-aged 
son uh, getting ready for school each morning. And basically, she would feed him a bowl of cereal, usually be running late. So they grab the cereal, they get in the car. She'd have to drive him to the bus stop. It wasn't, the bus didn't come right to her house. And then he'd ride the bus for 25 minutes to school. And she said every morning when she would get up and she would serve him cereal, which was usually a healthy cereal, and, but she served him cereal because that's really what he wanted to eat. And so, but she said that every morning she would feel guilty about serving him that breakfast because when she was growing up, her mother served her a good old-fashioned southern breakfast. Scrambled eggs, bacon, toast, grapefruit, grits, orange juice, milk, Every day of her life, her mother served her a huge breakfast. And so she said, every time that I get out the bowl of cereal and pour it and get the milk out for my son and we're heading toward the car, I feel guilty because I'm not doing as good a job as my mother did for me. Well, this one specific morning, she was getting the cereal out, and her son said, Mom, you know what? I'm just tired of rushing around. Can we just sit and eat our cereal together here at the kitchen table? And the mom was thinking, well, that'd be nice, but we're on the schedule here, and we're going to be late. I'm going to miss the bus, but you know what? I feel so guilty. I don't even give this boy anything but cereal. I'm going to let him honor this request, and we'll sit here as long as we need to. If we miss the bus, we miss the bus. And so they sat there. They ate their cereal. Um, but the clock, the clock was ticking, so she kind of rushed in. They got in the car, and she floored it, right? She's trying to get as fast as she could to get to the bus stop to see the driver and all that kind of stuff. And she saw the bus was getting ready to pull out, so she, she sped up. She jumped the curb uh, and bust her tire, right? It just burst her tire. She's driving like a maniac. She slides on the brakes, and she gets her son into the bus just in time, and and she sat back in her car, she called the tow truck, and it was getting an Uber to come. And she thought, you know what? I've let guilt literally into the driver's seat of my life. I've let guilt take over my life. It's, it's driving me and what I'm doing. I've let it into the, into the driver's seat, and it's costing me a great deal, right? Not just the cost of the tow truck, not just the cost of the Uber bill, but it's costing our family a lot in stress. And so she began to think about that and began to work on that. And so today, we're going to be exploring the discomforting emotion of guilt. And we're going to talk whether or not she really should feel guilty over feeding her son cereal or not. But for right now, maybe just to set the stage, I just invite you to think in your life, what's your encounter of guilt? Most of us struggle with guilt, some of us more than others, uh, but I think it's a very real emotion that we don't know really how to deal with, and it's one of those we want to either push down and pretend it's not there, or we'll brood upon it, but what is your experience of guilt, and how has guilt helped you, and how has it messed your life up? When has guilt been good for you, and when has guilt been horrible, and done things that just continue to make your life anything but meaningful? Well, we're going to talk about that today, and just begin just with some basic uh, Oxford Dictionary definitions of guilt. Uh, guilt is the fact of having committed a, spe a specified or implied offense or a crime. We've done something wrong, right? Guilt lets us know we've done something wrong. And then to feel guilty is that we're conscious of or affected by a feeling of guilt, right? We've done something wrong, and we feel bad about it. We've messed up, and we need to make things right as the ultimate reason for guilt. And so guilt can be good. If we have done something wrong, if we've hurt someone, 
we should feel bad about that, and we should want to try to make amends with someone. So let's see what the Bible teaches us about guilt from a good perspective. If you remember, the people of Israel before Jesus came had about 613 religious rules that they followed to help us do the right thing and avoid doing the wrong thing. And when we broke those laws, then we were guilty and we had to atone or to make things right for the wrong things that we've done. So that's the biblical perspective. Let's jump into the book of Leviticus. This is in early in the Old Testament as the law is being given to the people of Israel. If anyone sins, right, does something wrong, breaks the law, and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, even though they do not know it, they are guilty and will be held responsible, right? So there's rules. There's right and there's wrong. When you break the rules and you're guilty, you'll be held responsible, even if you don't even know that you've messed up, right? So guilt is real, right? It means you've done something wrong and you have to pay a price for that. All right, let's see what else. This is from the New Testament, the book of James, says that whoever keeps the whole law of God and yet stumbles on just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Now, that's some pressure, right? right? I got 612 right, but I got one wrong, and I broke it all? That just doesn't seem very fair, right? That's, that's hard core right there, James, that you're telling us there, right? So we messed up, we should feel bad about it, and we should try to make things right. Here's something that Jesus says about it. This is when we have hurt someone else, right? We, by the way, we can be guilty in our relationship with God. We can be guilty in our relationship with other people. Jesus here talks about when we've hurt someone else. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, right? In the Old Testament, right, the people of Israel, when they messed up, there was a whole system to make things right. And it usually involves sacrificing something. You gave something back to God, either food or an animal of your flock, which was very meaningful and, and very valuable, right? There's a whole sacrificial system you had to offer things to God, right? If you're offering your gift at the altar to God and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, right? You're guilty of doing something wrong to someone else. Leave your gift for God there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to the person and then come and offer your gift to God. So the Bible, even Jesus says, right, guilt's important. It, it, it says we've messed up and we need to make things right, right? There was a sacrificial system for the people of Israel. We'll talk more about what we can do today because we don't follow that, right? But guilt can be good because it makes us aware that we've done something wrong. We've violated a relationship. We've hurt someone and we need to make it right. So guilt can be good in those circumstances, well, the woman who felt guilty about her son in the serial is named Valerie Burton, and she has written a book on guilt. She's become an expert on guilt. Uh, we can show you a picture of that book here, Let Go of the Guilt. And she has some advice for us when we've hurt someone else, and we have real guilt, good guilt that says need to make things right. She offers us some advice, uh, and it's an alliterative kind of thing. All the words begin with an A. So this is her advice when we are guilty of harming another person. Right, let's look at the first A that we've got here. We can shift to that. One is that we admit it, right? I made a mistake. I've done something wrong. I've hurt another person, right? We have to admit that, right? So then the second step uh, is that we assess it, right? What exactly did I do? How extensive is this harm, right? What do I need to be doing about this? We need to assess the situation, not hide from it. Then the third A is apologize, right? So we go to the person. And we say, I am sorry for how I've hurt you. 
not if I hurt you, I'm sorry, don't use that word in an apology, right? It's, it's a sincere apology in person, if at all possible. And we say, I'm sorry, I did this. It affected you in this way. This was my role in that. And I apologize, right? I apologize. We make that a real apology, right? And the next thing uh, is that we atone for that. We make it right. How can I make this right to you? How can I restore the relationship? Do, did I damage something that I need to pay for? Uh, did I lose your trust by doing this? How can I earn that back? We need to make amends for what we have done wrong. Okay? Then the next day, adjust our behavior. Okay? What this means is if we apologize for something, we don't keep doing the same behavior. You ever, you ever had that? Somebody does something to you and say, oh, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, and then they keep doing the very same thing. Right? And then you, you question all those things that came before. Oh, I'm sorry my dog messed in your yard. It'll never happen again, right? Oh, it happened again. I'm sorry, right? And that's a mild example, right? But we adjust our behavior. If we're truly sorry, then it's not going to happen again, okay? Uh, and then finally, we accept forgiveness. And this is one where a lot of us get stuck on. Someone else might have forgiven us. God might have forgiven us. But a lot of times in our lives, we don't accept the forgiveness. And we carry around unnecessarily guilt that has been taken away. Right? And sometimes we're going to do all those first steps and the other person is not going to forgive us. And that's their choice. But if we've done all that other stuff, then we need to, to forgive ourselves, right? We've gone through the whole process. If they've been able to forgive us, great. If not, we need to let it go. Otherwise, we're going to carry around unnecessary guilt that's going to build up inside of us, and it's going to come out sideways, and it's going to hurt someone else, usually someone that's close to us, right? So we need at some point to be able to accept forgiveness and to let it go. And this includes for people that might not be able to forgive us, right? Maybe it's someone who's passed away, right? And we realize later, wow, I really messed that up. I didn't have a chance to atone for that, right? It's okay to go to their grave, their marker or wherever and do those steps, right, sincerely and to ask for forgiveness and to let it go, right? We have to at some point be able to accept forgiveness ourselves and to let it go, right? So those are some good steps, I think they're very biblical steps as well to be able to have guilt that is good in our lives and to be able to try to make amends for that, right? To let that go between us and other people, right? Now, I want to get back to the lady, Valerie, and her story about being guilty, feeling guilty that she didn't provide for her son in the way that her mother provided for her. Now, what she's come to write and say is that later, she believes now that when she was feeling guilty about that, now she looks back on that and says, I really shouldn't have felt guilt for that, that that was false guilt, okay? Here's a concept that she introduces. It's called false guilt, to feel like you did something wrong when you did not. Right? We can feel the same emotions of guilt that we do for the right kind of guilt, but we feel them when we've actually done something, not done something wrong. Right? Did she really do anything wrong by feeding her son healthy cereal? No. Right? She was mentally comparing herself to her mom in a way that her mom probably didn't want her to, to do. And so she created a false sense of guilt. 
that really got in the way of her life and stressed her out, right? And it helped her, cause her to, to do all this research and all that kind of stuff. I wonder how many of us today are feeling guilty over things that we should not feel guilty about. We're having false guilt. We feel the guilt, but in reality, we've not done anything wrong. I was talking to one of my good friends uh, in this past week, and he and his wife uh, are selling their home where they raised five children. Uh, lots of mixed emotions in that, and of course, they're trying to capitalize on the market and make some money out of that. Uh, they're downsizing because four of the five kids are now in college or they've gone on into the work world, and one is going to be a high school senior, so they're making the move now. And my friend said that it was much more emotional than they thought it would be in cleaning out the house and having all the memories of raising a family in this one place. And he said he began to feel guilty. And he began to say to himself, I wish we'd spent more time with the kids. I wish we'd had more family game nights. I wish we'd done more of this. And he said he just began spiraling down. And, and, but, but then he stopped and he said, you know what? I think that's the devil trying to mess with me. And because... I tried my best to be a good father, and he's a great father. And they spent a lot of time together as a family, right? But he's just now seeing all of them go into college and all that kind of stuff. And so he was beginning to feel guilty for something that he shouldn't feel guilty about. He spent tons of time with his family. He's just sad that that chapter's coming to an end, and he began to feel this false guilt. He's done nothing wrong, but it's funny how he began to feel that. I wonder if any of us, again, are feeling guilty for something that we haven't really done anything wrong for. And I think a lot of us do carry around that guilt. And I think it comes in, in different ways. Sometimes it comes from people in our lives called guilt trippers, right? They want to make you feel guilty in your life. Do you know anybody like that? Right? They, they want to make you feel guilty. And usually it's this false guilt for something that you have not done. Right, So a guilt tripper can do that. And maybe it's because they're not happy in their life and they want you not to be happy in your life. Right? Um, or maybe they want to manipulate you. Maybe they're trying to get you to do something and you're not going to do that. And so they throw a guilt trip on you to try to manipulate you to do that. Right? Uh, you've probably encountered that in your life. The trick is we do or don't have to agree with what they're doing. Right? Another way that we experience false guilt in our lives is sometimes when we're successful or we've done a good job, then we say, you know what, I just really don't deserve this. I don't deserve the promotion. I don't deserve this great family that I have. I don't deserve this home that I live in. I'm not good enough for the things that God has given to me. And so we have this false sense of guilt that we don't deserve the good things in our lives. Or false guilt can be the opposite. I'm just not good enough, right? I, I, I should be a better mother. I should get up and fix my, my son a southern breakfast full thing, right? I'm just not a good enough father. We should have spent more time as a family together, playing games together and having family night. Like the two examples that I mentioned to you, right? I'm just not good enough this, fill in the blank, right? That's the false guilt that we feel. Now, Valerie Burton, the woman that wrote this book, takes it to a whole new level in what she does. She said that in her life, she was scared to feel happy. She was scared to feel good about her life because she thought, as soon as I feel good or happy about my life, then something tragic's going to happen to me, 
right? The other shoe's going to drop. Do you ever feel that way? Right? You don't want to celebrate too much because you think the universe is going to see you and, and it's going to throw you something and, and ruin your life, right? She didn't want to celebrate the good things in her life because she was afraid that something bad would happen. So she began to introduce false guilt into her life. I don't deserve this. I'm not good enough. So that she would feel guilty instead of feeling happy to avoid bad things happening, right? She said, it, it made me feel safe to feel guilty so that I wouldn't feel good about my life, so that bad things wouldn't happen. And she finally realized, I'm the bad thing that's happening to myself, right? This false guilt can come into our lives and wreck them. Are you encountering any false guilt right now in your life? One way that we can kind of attack false guilt is kind of examine our expectations, right? Sometimes our expectations set us up for this false guilt. And one way that we do that with expectations uh, is that those expectations are vague. Right? I, I want to eat better, or I want to work more, I, I want to uh, be uh, healthier in my lifestyle, and, and I want to work more, or I want to work less, right? Or I want to eat this, or I don't want to eat that. But we don't set up specifics. And so because we don't set up specifics, we're always going to fail, right? I want to eat better. Well, what does that mean? If we don't define it, then we're not doing it, right? So I'm terrible at making a decision, right? I want to exercise more, right? If we don't set a limit on that, then we're always going to fail. I'm not exercising enough, right? So we, if we have expectations, that can help us, right? I want to work out three times a week, 30 minutes each, right? Now we can have a measurable thing to say, okay, I'm doing this or I'm not, rather than I'm just not doing anything, right? So... We have to set clear expectations. Otherwise, we're just going to feel guilty that we're not doing anything, right? Another thing about expectations is, is some of them are outdated, right? I have physical goals that I want to meet as a 50-year-old, and my 14-year-old son has physical goals that he wants me to do with him. I can't do that, right? It's just impossible, right? I'm tired. Daddy needs to rest, right? So we have to give ourselves permission, right? And, and some of our expectations are just unrealistic. Right? We're going through a very busy season in our lives with our family or our friends. Probably not a good time to start writing a novel. You know, it's like, where do you fit in the time to do things, right? We, we, we get so busy and we have these ambitious goals and they're just unrealistic. And so then we begin feeling guilty. I can't achieve what I want, but there's no way I can add that to my life, right? So some expectations. Temper those expectations. Um, Valerie Burton also has another kind of anagram for us to, to look at as far as dealing with false guilt. One is to pinpoint your guilt trigger. Why am I feeling guilty? Is this a, you know, is this a, like the woman with the breakfast, right? It was a mother-daughter issue, right? That was an issue for her. That's her trigger, right? Comparing herself to her mom, right? For some of us, it's I have to be perfect in everything that I do. If I'm not perfect and I feel bad, I, I feel guilty about myself. What's your trigger? What's making you feel guilty, right? Is it a sense of not being good enough? Is it a relational thing, right? What's the trigger here? Or maybe it's a simply, it's, a, it's somebody in your life who wants to make you feel guilty, right? And call them out on that, right? So pinpoint your guilt trigger, right? Then examine the thought, right? If what I'm, I'm feeling guilty about this, have I really done anyone any harm, right? That's the question here. What harm have I really done, right? Is feeding my son cereal really doing him harm, right? It is when I'm jumping curves and slamming on brakes, right? But did I really do my family any harm? Should we have had more game nights, right? We did a bunch of stuff as a family together, right? Examine the thought. 
right? And the next one is exchange the lie for the truth. I'm a bad mom because I don't have a southern breakfast every morning. That's, that's a lie, right? It's a lie, right? So exchange, I'm a good mom, right? I provide for my son. I love my son, right? And then the final one is an L. This is, get it, P-E-E-L, peel back the false guilt. That's what this is, right? List your evidence, right? So the mom can list the ways that she's a good mom, right, versus I only feed my son cereal, right? And so this is a way for us to, to balance out the false guilt, right? So there's authentic guilt that's good. I messed up. I did something wrong. I need to do something about that, right? That discomfort is here for a reason. But then there's false guilt that we or other people in our lives throw at us and we wrestle with and we feel the same way, but there's no way to resolve it because we've done nothing wrong. And so it's this cycle of guilt that we get stuck in. So I want you to think about this week, right? What kind of guilt am I feeling? Now, one more set of guilt that we have Right? And this comes back to our relationship to God, right? We, we do things against each other, but we also do things against God, right? The Bible calls that sin. We do wrong things. Right? If we've hurt God, how do we make things right with God? How do we redeem ourselves? How do we atone for the things that we've done against God? So let's think about that today, especially as we're in a church trying to follow Jesus. And let's look at what the Bible teaches us here, okay? This is from the New Testament. This is Paul writing to the Colossians. Uh, and he says this, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. We are separated from God when we do wrong things, and we have consequences. We feel guilty about that. Right? We're going to die one day because we've been cut off from the tree of life that we had access to before humans started sinning. And we experience hell, which means broken relationships. Right? So sin and guilt and death and hell, right? enemies of God because of our evil behavior. But now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. Jesus takes upon himself on the cross our guilt and our death and our sin and our hell. He takes it away from us in our place, right? right? Through his physical body. And without blemish and free from accusation. Jesus was perfect, but he took upon all of our junk, right, that we should feel guilty about. And if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, right, Jesus is ready to forgive us. All right, let's keep going. This time we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, which is one, like, really long sermon in the New Testament. And the writer says this, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. I'm sorry for what I've done, God, to you and other people. I'm sorry, right? Sincere heart. Remember, apology, sincere apology. And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Jesus died to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. That's our underlining today, right? And having our bodies washed with pure water. This leads into to baptism, but today we're going to focus on Jesus' death and resurrection, right? So when we do wrong against God, against others, right, there's this guilt, there's sin, right, there's death, and there's hell, right, these eternal consequences that we have to face, right? And in the Old Testament and part of the New Testament, people offered sacrifices, right, to be forgiven, but they kept having to offer sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, right? So God said, enough's enough. I'm going to offer the sacrifice that ends all sacrifices. I'm going to offer my son, Jesus. So Jesus dies on the cross. He becomes the, all the animals into one. 
It's the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Because of his death, now we can be forgiven. Right? When we say to God, God, I'm sorry for this, and we, we say what we're sorry for. God, I, I need you to forgive me. I want to leave that behind. The Bible uses the word repent. It means that we turn around, right? This is our sin. This is our guilt. This is our, our, our death and our hell. God, I want to leave this behind, and I want to follow you. I believe that you died on a cross for me. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you can forgive me. I believe you can take my guilt away and give me instead peace in my heart and joy and a life that is full and a life that can be lived forever in the kingdom of heaven. Right? That's what Jesus offers us through the cross to cleanse that real guilt and to make things right between us and God. Right? That is a great news that we celebrate as followers of Jesus. So what's the point today as we think about guilt and our discomfort with guilt? I think it's this, all right? Authentic guilt is a guide, right? When we've done something wrong, guilt lets us know that, and that's a good thing, right? Guilt can be good. When we've done something wrong, we can try to make things right with other people, and we can ask Jesus for his forgiveness, right? So authentic guilt is a guide. It says, I need to make things right, or I need to let God make things right for me, right? Through my faith and what Jesus did on the cross. False guilt is a detour. It's taking us down roads that we don't need to travel. We're experiencing emotions that we don't need to experience because someone's manipulating us or because we're manipulating ourselves, Right? So authentic guilt is a guide and false guilt is a detour that feels like authentic guilt, but it leads us to a dead end. Right? And we need to let that go. And we need to examine guilt in our lives to see which one it is, authentic or is it false. Right? So some things, action steps, I invite you maybe to think about doing as a response to this. One is to ask Jesus for forgiveness. Right? When we really mess up, when we have the authentic guilt to say, Jesus, I am sorry. I'm truly sorry. Please forgive me. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross and came back to life. I want to leave that junk behind. Please take it from me. Help me deal with whether earthly circumstances are coming, but take away my guilt and my death and my hell, Lord, and give me that sense of peace and assurance that I am indeed forgiven, right? Uh, and then the last couple of things, one again, right? The peel thing, right, to find out whether or not we have false guilt or not, right? Pinpoint your trigger, examine your thought, exchange the lie for the truth, enlist your evidence. And then the very first thing that we started with, when we've done something wrong, right, the authentic guilt, right, the six A's that we have, admit it, assess it, apologize for it, atone for it, try to make things right with the other person, adjust your behavior, don't keep doing the same thing again and again. Uh, and then finally, accept forgiveness from God, accept forgiveness from others, and the hard one, accept forgiveness from yourself. Accept forgiveness from yourself. Don't let things that have been forgiven remain guilt, which becomes false guilt in your life. So far today, we've been talking theoretically about guilt, scientifically about guilt, guilt, biblically about guilt. We've talked about this woman named Valor. We've talked about my friend and, and his struggles with selling his house. Now I want to shift the conversation to you. What guilt do you feel? What authentic real guilt is there that says you've messed up and you need to do something about it? 
either going to God asking for forgiveness or going to the person and asking for forgiveness. That guilt is good. Or what false guilt are you experiencing? Something that you have not done wrong, but you feel like you have, and it's ruining your life, and it's ruining the life of the people that you care about. So I want you to think about that. In just a few minutes, we're going to have a chance to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion where we remember that Jesus died for us and he came back to life to set us free from guilt. And today when you walk out those doors or you turn off your computer, I really would invite you to open your hearts now to invite God in to forgive you and to take that guilt away and to give you a sense of peace and forgiveness that will change your life.